The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. And so in Exodus chapter number 28, we're looking at the, the holy priesthood. And it was God's desire, as we look at the nation of Israel, that uh, His nation, His people, be a kingdom of priests. Exodus 19 and verse number 6 tells us that. And they were supposed to be a kingdom of priests in the world. They were, supposed to, they were supposed to reveal His glory. They were supposed to share His blessings with the unbelieving nations around them. But in order to magnify a, a holy God, Israel had to be a holy people. And uh, that's where the uh, kind of the Aaronic priesthood came in. It was the task of the priest, that was Aaron's family, and the Levites, which was the family of Koath and Gershon and Merai, you can see that in Numbers 3 and 4. They were to serve in the tabernacle. They were to uh, represent the people before God. The priests were also to represent God to the people by teaching Him the law, by helping them to obey God's word. But we know, as we study the Old Testament, that Israel failed to live like a kingdom of priests, didn't they? They didn't, they didn't live the way that God wanted them to live. And instead, the spiritual leadership in the nation gradually deteriorated until the priests actually permitted the people to worship idols. You remember, even Aaron himself uh, led the people to worship that golden calf. I mean, he led the people in false worship and idol worship. And we understand that the priests in the, uh, in the uh, Old Testament, the high priests, uh, often eventually would lead the people even to idol worship away from God. Imagine that. People who were instructed to lead people to worship God eventually led people to worship idols. Boy, that's uh, something that we need to take... Uh, take a careful note of in our own lives as believers, as we're the priests of God, that we're not leading other people in the world to serve false gods and idols uh, that are in this world and that, with the, that they don't see a, a royal priesthood as God's church that's in love with idolatry and love with this world, but uh, rather a royal priesthood who's in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And today God wants His church to minister in this world, according to First Peter, as a holy priesthood, as a royal priesthood, and if God's people are faithful in their priestly ministry, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that they'll proclaim the praises of God that who's called them out of darkness, the Bible says here, into what? What's God called us? Out of darkness, into His what? Marvelous light. And that's how God's called us. And as we study the Old Testament priesthood, you're going to see significant parallels between the work of the Jewish priests in the past and the ministry of the holy priesthood in the church today. I want to make a statement tonight as we make application in studying this Old Testament priest, uh, the priesthood in the Old Testament, is that we understand from the Bible that, number one, every believer is a priest of God. Every believer is a priest of God. You know, sometimes uh, religion will put a difference between the, the, the laity and the common people, the, the people who are serving as far as pastors and, and preachers and priests or whatever you want to call them, the leadership of the church, they'll put them on a different level as if they have some kind of special access to God. Or that they are somehow now still the mediation between the people and God. As I understand the, the position of the pastor, God has put me in a leadership position But my role is not mediation between God and people. 
My role is not the go-between. I'm not the representative of God. You have the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of you. You are a priest that has access to the holy place. Do you not? God has given us all as believers access to the holy place. So you don't come to church and say, well, I hope the pastor helps me get to God in a sense of I can't get to God except through that mediation. So the pastor's role is much different. In a sense, we understand that the Bible says that pastors and teachers are worthy of honor. We understand that it's a position that God has has given as a gift to the church for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I'm not trying to downplay the role, but I'm trying to say, as far as humanly speaking, as far as the relationship that God is uh, is speaking in God's word, we don't have this priesthood anymore this position, this office where there's only certain people that can have access to God and other believers don't have access to God. I think sometimes that message is sent uh, maybe, maybe subconsciously to people. I think sometimes that message is sent through their cultural connections to religion. So how many grew up in, 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 a, in a traditional uh, type of religious setting where you had to have somebody who was your go-between between you and God. You couldn't really have that communication, that direct communication with God. And maybe you grew up that way. And sometimes that message is just sent kind of subconsciously to people that, you know, I need the the pastor in order to do anything because he's the only one that can talk to God. Now, you do need a pastor, and God makes that clear. Everybody needs a local New Testament church. Everybody needs a pastor. But the purpose is not that you have somebody that can go to God on your behalf My prayers get answered the same way your prayers get answered. My prayers get heard, your prayers get heard the same way my prayers get heard. Uh, The position here uh, that God has put every believer in is a position of priesthood or access to God. You know, sometimes we just are lazy, aren't we, as Christians? We would rather have someone else do it for us than us have the responsibility of doing it for ourselves. But can I remind us all, Jesus didn't die on the cross so someone else could have a relationship with, with, with him other than us. He died on the cross to give us a personal relationship with him. And what happened there? That, that veil was written twain and there was no longer a place where a high priest had to go in and enter, uh, offer sacrifices. Jesus was the one that offered the sacrifice and he was the sacrifice. And we are all, every believer uh, is a priest of God. Now, understanding that helps us to understand our role as believers, doesn't it? Because our role as believers parallels the Old Testament priest's role. We understand that as God uh, called certain individuals during that period of time as he dealt with Israel to have a role, that was a, a something that typified a future role that every believer would have. Aren't you glad that you have that role? Aren't you glad that you have that access? You didn't have to go to uh, Bible college. You didn't have to go and earn a degree. You didn't have to uh, understand, you know, theology and all those things to become a priest of God. You just received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and he made you a priest of God. He gave you that access. And we have been chosen by God. We have been given uh, this this wonderful title of being a priest. Number two, uh, number one, every believer is a priest of God. Number two, every believer has been chosen to serve God. Because every believer is a priest of God, then every believer has been chosen to serve God. And this is kind of where I want to get because sometimes I think this is the message that sometimes gets sent or people misunderstand or sometimes pastors aren't very clear when they're preaching because people get this thing in their head that only the staff, only the leadership, only the pastors, the elders of the church are the servants. 
But if I'm a priest of God, and you're a priest of God, God's called us all to serve God. God's called us all to serve God. Now, are we okay that the Bible tells us having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us? That God says we've all been gifted individually for service to God in different ways. You've been gifted by God to serve Him. You say, well, what capacity? Well, what do you find yourself doing? What's your profession? You say, well, if I'm not in full-time Christian ministry, no, no, no. We, we get this wrong sometimes that we forget that our calling as a child of God and a priest of God is to serve God in whatever capacity He gives our hands to do. So what we understand is when you go to work tomorrow, and when I get up and go to work, wait, tomorrow's Monday. I don't work, uh, I don't work at all except for Sunday. I forgot. But, you know, when I, when I go to work next Sunday, when, when we go to work, we understand that what our hands are finding themselves doing is service to the Lord. Are you with me? Because sometimes we get this thing, this disconnect with, oh, the pastor's going to serve God this week and I'm not going to serve God. No, no. Whatever your job is, you're supposed to be serving God. If you're a mom, you're serving God. If you're a dad, you're serving God. If you're a husband, you're serving God. If you're a wife, you're serving God. If you're a widow, you're serving God. If you're single, you're serving God. If, uh, if, you're, a, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're a, if you're a nurse, if you're a, a police officer, if you're in the military, if you own your own business, you're serving God. That's your job. And by the way, I think sometimes we have this disconnect where we think, I'm not serving God because I'm not employed by the church. That's where we get it all wrong. Tomorrow, the church goes to work for God. So wherever you go to work, you're going to serve God. And we get this idea, listen, you know what? A a pastor would be foolish to tell his people that serving God means they have to be employed by the church because then we'd have a, well, we'd just close down awfully quick because we'd have to pay everybody to be here. You with me? You know, we, we would be awfully foolish to send that message to people because that's a wrong message entirely because tomorrow we all go, go to work wherever we're doing. We're not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of the Lord doing the will of God from the heart. Hey, if God's given you a role, if God's given you a job, if God's given you a profession, you're serving God. Wouldn't it change the way we served, perhaps in our professions, in our places of employment, if we looked at the, what we were doing as service rendered to God, not service rendered to government or service rendered to our boss or service rendered to wherever it is, because everything we're doing, does God care about what we do? Yeah. Does God care about how we do it, our motives, or does God just care about what Christians do on Sunday? No, God cares about what we do because we've all been called to serve the Lord. God's called us into a service. You know, when people get saved, no matter what their profession, their motives for what they do should change because they have a new master. They have a new Lord. They have a new person who they're serving. And so when I do business with other people, are you with me? When I do business with other people, no matter what my job is, I need to, I need to be a servant of God. So you know what Christians don't do? They don't cheat people. They don't deceive people. They don't lie to people. They don't cut corners at work. They're not bad employees. They they do their job. They do it well. They show up on time. They work hard. Why? 
Because I'm serving God. You with me? Boy, it changes our whole perspective, doesn't it? You say, well, I've got a, a boss that's lost. You're serving God. Well, I'm around a bunch of people that aren't. You're serving God. Remember that. God's placed you where you are to serve Him. Boy, our, our homes would change if we looked at our positions as husbands and wives and moms, as, and moms and dads as not some kind of lesser role that God's placed upon us, but a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Why hasn't God called us if He's given us those roles? He's going to equip us and empower us to do what, he, what He's called us to do. Number one, every believer is a priest of God. Number two, every believer has been chosen to serve God. The Lord's words here in, in chapter 28 is to minister unto me. It's found five times. In, in, in Exodus chapter 30, 40, 15, Leviticus 7, the priests ministered to the people, but their first obligation was to minister to the Lord and to please Him. Think about that. My first obligation is to minister to the Lord. As much as they were representatives to the people of God, they were still also representatives of of God to the people. And God had a calling on them, and they were to do their service to the Lord. So if you find yourself on a roof tomorrow, you find yourself in a basement, you find yourself behind a cash register, you find yourself behind a desk, wherever you find yourself, remember who your master is, remember who you're serving, remember who you're following, because every believer has been chosen to serve God. Number three, every believer has been chosen to serve the church. Every believer has been chosen to serve the church. If serving God and the people, in serving God and the people, the high priest wore seven pieces of clothing. Verses 42 to 43, they're undergarments. Verse 39, an inner robe, a, a blue robe over that with bells and pomegranates on him. The, the ephod, a sleeveless garment of gold, blue and purple and scarlet held together by a jeweled clasp on each shoulder. A, a girdle at the waist, a jeweled breastplate held in place on the ephod by golden chains attached to the shoulder clasp. A white linen turban with the golden plate on it that said, Holy, holiness to the Lord. That was, that was what they wore on their heads. Holiness to the Lord. As priests of God, you know, how many know this? There's no garment that you can put on that makes you holy or righteous. I didn't put on my righteous garments, in a sense, physically today. But hopefully I wore them today in my heart. Are we not clothed in His righteousness, the Bible says? Are you clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you wearing that white robe of righteousness? Have you not been clothed in your heart? And God's given you that clothing that identifies you as one of His children, as one of His priests. Hey, listen, when the priests walked out among the people, they knew who the priest was. They knew who he was because they saw it. They could see it just by what was written all over him on the outside. He had specific specific garments on that represented that typified, that symbolically showed uh, God's care uh, when it came to the priests and how important it was that they were holy as God was holy. You know, their service to the people, that ephod, it was a simple sleeveless linen garment that reached down to the ankles. It was associated with religious service. The high priest's ephod and girdle were made of white linen. 
The ephod had two pieces, front and back. They were held together. The, the significant thing about this ephod was not the uh, fabric or the colors. It was that the names of the six tribes of Israel were engraved on each onyx stone on the shoulder clasp according to their birth order. In other words, he walked around with the people on his shoulders. He walked around with the people on his shoulders. It spoke of his service to God's people. You know, all of us as priests of God have been called to bear the people on our shoulders. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the what? The law of Christ. Hasn't God called us to help each other? God God called us to bear each other. You know this idea that I just go to church and I don't know people, I don't interact with anybody to go to church with and I don't really want to make friends and I don't really want to have a relationship with you. I'd just rather just come to church, see you at church, leave and see you next time at church because I have no desire to interact with you in any other way is some kind of out of touch and unbiblical Christianity that we see that has inundated the church of the living God today that's just sad. I don't leave here tomorrow hoping I never run into you, hoping I never have any contact with you, not hoping that I can just run back out to, you know, all my other friends that are in the world that are lost and I don't want any interaction with you because, you know, I mean, I did my time with you today. You with me? If you view the church that way, you don't understand your priesthood. God's called us all to bear the people on our shoulders. You know how we do that? In prayer. It's hard to forget the people you pray for, isn't it? You know how I remember people? There's people that don't go to our church, that, that, that came to our church, or maybe they've never been to our church. You know how I remember them, their names and their families? Because I pray for them. They're down, their name's on a list. I pray for them. You know, it's hard to forget the people you pray for. They're on your mind. They're on your heart. You say, well, that's your job. You're the pastor. No, it's the job of the church to bear the burdens of the church. It's a job of the church to bear that weight. You know what what happens? When we put that crushing weight on one person, we have a problem. Because that's a crushing weight. How many people can you think about and care for? And interesting, all of a sudden, the pastor becomes a superman. He can just think about everybody, care for everybody, but do for everybody, remember everybody, pray for everybody, minister everybody, remember everybody's birthday, remember everybody's anniversary, go to every funeral, go to every birthday party, you know, show up at every hospital visit, do all. And that's what people expect. And the pastor at Roll, God called the pastor to pray and to preach. You understand what happens? This is what's happened in the Church of the Living God today that has crushed pastors. They can't bear the burdens because people have this expectation that the pastor solely is to be the priest of God in the church. You see how that's unbiblical? And so the pastor does every job except the one he's supposed to do. Let me tell you something. If you do all that stuff, there's not going to be a whole lot of study time. There's not going to be a whole lot of prayer time. You know what's going to be empty? The pulpit. You know what needs not to be emptied? The pulpit. The pastor needs to fill the pulpit. That's his job. The pastor needs to fill the prayer closet. That's his job. You know what the people need to do? Bear the burdens. Bear the burdens. It's interesting as God uh, chose out spiritual men in the church, we call them deacons today. You know what they did? 
They didn't serve on boards and criticize the pastor and kick him out of his job and give his uh, family a hard time, make him nervous about every uh, decision that he made, whether he chose the right color carpet or white color paint. That's the, that's the American church today. You know what the deacons were? Servants. You know what they did? Serve. You know who they serve? Needy people and widows and poor people. You know who they did? They helped the pastor to be able to stay in the prayer closet and to be able to stay in the study so he could do his job and preach the word. And I'm thankful that I understand that. You understand that. I'm thankful that it's our mutual understanding because we understand that's the job that God's called me to do. And you know what God's called us all to do? Serve the church. You know what that means? I can say to you, biblically, and be biblically accurate, say, whether you're on staff, not on staff, whether you draw $1 for a job that you do or not, God's called you to serve here. If God's put you here, He's called you to serve here. Get involved. Do something. Sweep a floor. Vacuum a carpet. Sign up and help and volunteer in a Sunday school class. Hand out bulletins. Usher. Be involved. Don't be a, don't be a, a, a consumer Christian that you come to take and not to give. You know what happens when we got more people taken than given? We got a dead church. We got a church that's going to be depleted really quick. Because if we have this consumer mentality, you do all the work, I do all the sitting, I take, you give. That's what I pay you for. That's not, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're all called to serve. Every believer has been chosen to serve the church. Number four, every believer has been called to be surrendered. Every believer has been called to be surrendered. The priests were to serve God. They were to, the garments spoke of service. The garments spoke of their, their, uh, their uh, service to the people. They had the ephod and the girdle and the breastplate. And the breastplate was a, a piece of a beautifully embroidered fabric, nine inches square. When uh, folded double, it hung on the high priest's chest. It was supported by two golden chains attached to the shoulder clasp. And on the breastplate were 12 beautiful jewels arranged in four rows, and each stone represented one of the tribes of Israel. So not only was he carrying their names on his shoulder, but he was carrying them on his chest. Because not only did he serve them with his strength, he served them from his heart. Did you get that? Not only did he use his strength to bear the burdens, but he allowed them close to his heart. How are we supposed to serve the Lord? In the fear of God? From our hearts. You know, uh, one way that you'll quick get out of service to the Lord is you do a job in the church, no matter where you're serving, what capacity role you're serving in, and you don't do anything from your heart. It's half done when it's not done from our hearts. As a matter of fact, it's not done at all if it's not done from our hearts. How many know that our hearts need to be connected to our service to God? Why? Because the motivating factor for our service is love. Let me ask you a question tonight. You love God. If you love God, you love His church. The two commandments He gives us, love God and love your neighbor. Love others. You know, often we think we're succeeding in loving God while we're failing in loving our neighbor. And God says the test of your love and dedication to God is in how you love your neighbor. And if you don't love your neighbor, who you can see. Come on, First John, if you don't love your brother, who you can see, how would you say that you love God who you can't see? God has given us that test. You say, well, God's perfect. He's easier to love. 
Now, it's impossible to love if you don't love your imperfect brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what God's Word says. And so as we bear burdens in service to the church, we bear them on our shoulders, we bear them near our hearts. But every believer, again, has been called to be surrendered. There's a consecration that God has called us to. God, uh, God calls us to, to live holy, surrendered, and consecrated lives. The, the priests in Exodus 29 were washed. The priests were clothed. The priests were anointed. It was a special oil. Let me, let me just say this tonight. If you're a believer, you've been anointed. And some people say, I need, I need the anointing of God on my life. You have it. You have it. I need the Spirit of God. You know what you don't need to pray? God, give, us your, God, give me your Spirit. You know what else you don't need to pray? God, don't take your Spirit from me. It doesn't happen. God doesn't need to give His believer, believers His Spirit. He already gave them His Spirit. You know what, as believers, we need to pray for? The fullness of His Spirit. The fullness of His Spirit. We don't need to pray for His Spirit. Here's the truth tonight. His Spirit is here. But whether or not we have His fullness is whether or not you've chosen tonight to be empty. Whether or not you've chosen to be empty to yourself, and surrendered and consecrated to God. It's a choice, isn't it? Say, I want to be empty of myself. In order to be empty, in order to be full of Jesus, you have to be empty of yourself. I don't have to give you the illustration, but if I have a glass and it's got a big rock in it, and I fill that glass with water, how many know that that glass is not filled with water? That glass is filled with water and a rock. Sometimes we give the Holy Spirit whatever leftover space we have, but how many know this preeminence is giving God every space? Is it saying, God, I'm going to be empty of myself so that you can fill me? You know what that means? You can't come in complaining. You can't come in criticizing. You can't come in. You can't come into the church of the living God uh, with uh, with your pre uh, uh, you know your agenda that you want to see. I want this done. This is the way I want. This is the way I want. Uh, this is what I want. This is and we can't come that way because we've got to come empty. We've got to be empty of ourselves to be filled with the Spirit of God. You know, some of us we miss. And you know what, you, we may miss the message tonight if we don't get empty first. Well, I got this and I got that. Listen, you know what I believe? If you came here tonight, you came because you wanted to hear the Word of God. You didn't come so you could leave. You came here so you could hear from God's Word. So why sometimes when we get here, we're like, oh, oh you know, can we hurry up and get done because I got places to go? You know, I got stuff to do. We're not here to leave. We're here to get in. We're here to have God do a work in us. We've got to believe that God can do that. The church of the living God says, Oh, God, give us revival as long as it doesn't inconvenience us. As long as it doesn't cost us anything. As long as, as, long as I can keep doing what I'm doing, God, give me revival. I tell you, that's not revival at all. Revival is when we say, God, do your will. God, your will be done. God, I'm dead to my will. God, I want what you want. Discipleship comes at a cost. I understand, not a popular message, but it is the Bible message. Every priest has God's Spirit. Every priest is anointed. You don't have to pray for the anointing of God on your life. You have the anointing of God on your life. You know what you need to pray? That you live up to your anointing. God, help me to live up to my anointing. Because I've been anointed. Were you anointed with the Holy Spirit of God? 
the day you trusted Christ. You have his anointing. You're anointed just like the priest was anointed to do his service. He's given you his anointing. You know, sometimes we make excuses why we can't serve God. I, don't, I need some kind of special anointing. You have the special anointing you need if you're a believer. The priests were anointed. The priests were forgiven. May I ask you a question tonight? Have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven? Are you full of guilt tonight? Are you forgiven? Because a lot of us, the thing that hinders us from serving God and serving others is our own baggage that we carry around. Guilt. I feel guilty because I did this or I did that. How many know that you're forgiven? How many know that your sin has been paid for? How many know? And I'm not saying that we walk around doing what we want, not, not sorry about it, because I don't believe a forgiven person that understands forgiveness and God's, God's blessing and God's salvation is going to walk around doing that. A believer is going to say, thank you, God, for the forgiveness you've given. God, help me to walk in your grace. God, help me to walk in your goodness. Help me to walk in holiness as you're holy. The priests were completely dedicated to God. In the sacrifice of the burnt offering, the animal was completely given to the Lord. It was a picture, Leviticus 1, of a total dedication. Our Lord gave himself fully and without reservation, not only in his ministry before the cross, but in his willing sacrifice of himself on the cross. The high priest and his associates were expected to devote themselves wholly to the work of the ministry. This is what happens sometimes uh, and why we get this uh, mixed up when it comes to our position in Christ is one, we don't view ourselves as priests. That's the first mistake we make. The Bible declares us to be priests, but we don't view ourselves that way. And so when we get that wrong, then we don't understand our calling. Because doesn't the Bible say that our calling and our election are sure? Aren't they sure? Has God called every believer? Not called? No, no, not heard. He's called. You know, aren't you glad Samuel said, here am I, send me? You know, all of us can just say, here am I to God, because he's called us all. He's called us all. We don't need to wait for God to call some special individual here. He's called every single one of us to serve him. The priests were completely dedicated to God. The story is frequently told about a British committee that was considering inviting evangelist D.L. Moody to their city for a campaign. And uh, when, the, when a pastor spoke glowingly of Moody's ministry, a member of the committee asked rather flippantly, why must we have Moody? Does he have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? No, replied the pastor, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on him. How many know that none of us have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but God uses people who the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on? Who are given and controlled to the Lord. You want to be used of God? Let the Holy Spirit have you. Let Him fill you. He'll use you. He'll use you in ways you never imagined or thought. We're scared of that sometimes though. If God uses me, He's going to change me. Yeah, you know what? The truth is tonight, we all need to change, don't we? We're so afraid of change and losing our identity. You know, the best thing you could do is, is just realign your identity and say, my identity is found in Jesus and not who I was and not who I think I'm going to be. But my identity is in Christ. The priests were marked by the blood. The priests were fed. 
they had that food basket and the altar that the Bible talks about. If the priests were faithful in the teaching of the word and encouraging Israel to obey the Lord, they, were ne- they would never lack for sustenance, for the people would be sensitive to God's word and they would give. You know what I'm reminded of? That as we obey God, He supplies. As we obey God, He supplies. You know, God is obligated to feed you if you do what His Word says. You get that tonight? God is obligated to feed you if you do what His Word says. You can go to God and say, hey God, I'm your priest. I'm obeying you. I'm following you. I'm trusting you. It doesn't mean that God gives you everything you want. It just means God is obligated to take care of your needs. Is obligated. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. You say, that's talking about spiritual needs. No, that's talking about your physical needs. God gave them the bread they needed for the day. God gave them the supply they needed. Every believer is a priest of God. Every believer has been chosen to serve God. Every believer has been chosen to serve the church. Every believer has been called to be surrendered. And then lastly tonight, every believer has been called to daily ministry. Every believer has been called to daily ministry. What we need is we need not disconnect our ministry inside these walls with our ministry outside of them. If you're just doing ministry here and failing to do ministry there, you're only working one day when you've been called to work every day for God. We have a daily ministry. And sometimes we make that mistake, don't we? We think that our ministry to to the Lord is what we do in the church. No, it is part of your ministry. But you know what the Bible tells us about the early church? And they continued daily. And they continued daily. You say, well, we're not going to be like the early church culturally. I don't understand that. God's not called us to be like them culturally. But he has called us to be like them spiritually. We should be looking to daily minister. Each day would begin with the priest sacrificing a lamb as a burnt offering. It signified the total dedication of the people to God, and the day ended with an offering of a second lamb as a burnt offering. You know that's a good example for us to follow? Opening and closing the day with surrender to God. Tomorrow when you get up, surrender to God. Tomorrow when you go to bed, Surrender to God. God, I want to do your will today. God, I want to do your will today. God, I'm surrendered to your will. I'm surrendered to you. That's what the priests did as they understood their daily ministry. Every day they would get up and offer that sacrifice in the morning and in the evening. How many know it's important for you to be surrendered to God? Every day, ministering daily. Uh, they, they, they would take that. For, for most meal offerings, the priests put only a token portion of the flour on the altar, they used the rest in their own meals. But with the daily morning and evening sacrifices, this was everything was given to the Lord. The flour and the wine represented the results of the people's labor in the fields and the vineyards. They were presenting the fruit of their toil to God and thanking Him for the strength to work and for the food to eat. And all of this would please the Lord and we'd find delight in dwelling in the tabernacle and blessing His people. Let me ask you a question tonight as we close. You're God's temple, aren't you, as a believer? Does he delight in dwelling there? Does he delight in dwelling there?
You know, one of the jobs of the priest was to give God delight in dwelling in the tabernacle. You know how God takes delight in dwelling in you and me? As we consecrate ourselves to Him. As we present ourselves and surrender to Him. As we give ourselves the daily ministry to Him. When we come before God that way, we say, God, I'm yours. I'm your servant. I'm here to serve you today. God, as I minister to my family, help me to follow you. God, as I make decisions at work, help me to follow you. God, help me to honor you. Help me to do justly and love mercy and walk humbly as you've called me and required me to do as your servant. God, I pray that you help me to be your temple in which you love, enjoy, and are pleased to dwell in. You're the temple. Is God happy dwelling in you? You say, well, what does that mean? <laughs> of course, you know, God wanted to dwell, wants to dwell in us. He, he's made us his temple. You ever defile the temple? You see what Jesus, Jesus' reaction to the people defiling the temple was in the New Testament? Was Jesus happy with what they were doing with the temple? Let me ask you, is the Lord happy with what you're doing with the temple? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Where He dwells. Is God happy with what you're doing with the temple? And if He's not, here's the thing. Why don't you consecrate the temple back to Him and say, God, I've used it for the wrong things. I've made your house a house of merchandise instead of a house of prayer. I've made your temple, I've, I've defiled it with worship to other idols and idolatry rather than worship to you. But God, make my life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. God, that's what I'm called to every day. Your daily job is to present yourself to God as a living sacrifice. Paul said it this way, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Every believer is a priest of God. Every believer has been chosen. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.